Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon. Despite the pandemic, Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention is back. They will hold their next event in June of 2022. To support them, fans and artists have rallied together on their Kickstarter, which you can visit. The Kickstarter will run through February 2nd. Go to SoonerCon.com for more details. The Hellmouth Convention. The Hellmouth Convention is a celebration of all pop culture, but specifically things like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. It is held in Los Angeles, California, and the next event is scheduled for June 3rd through 5th, 2022. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship Fund. For more information, go to thehellmouth.org. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Larry Hank into the show, and this is going to be a fantastic example of an episode that starts off talking about arts and creativity and spirals into what really motivates us and the mysteries of the universe. Let's get started. On tap today, we have Larry Hankin. How are you doing today, good sir? Uh, so far, so good. I... What? I'm not sick. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, in this day and age, that is an accomplishment by itself. You bet. I just don't go near human beings. You know what? Human beings are overrated. Human beings and birds are just out for a while. Yeah. You know, Larry, it's interesting. Uh, When I talk to somebody about one of the things you've been in, whether it's a movie or a TV show, it's... It's interesting because I have the same experience every time, almost, whether I bring up your appearances in Breaking Bad or Billy Madison or Star Trek, people, you won't necessarily be a big part of the episode or movie, but your scenes are always the ones people remember. You have that memorable quality that make people want to discuss you. Thank goodness. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't turn it off. I can't turn it on. I just go in, audition, get the job or not, and and remember my words. Don't bump into the furniture or other actors, and uh, you know, <laughs> then then you start asking questions and you get weird answers. I, I I don't know. I can't explain it. I know it's been happening for a long time. I mean, you're not the first person who's told me that, but. I don't know why. There's nothing I do that I try to make that happen. I mean, you can't, basically. Uh, so the uh, best I can say is I'm, I'm, I'm lucky I was in the right place at the right time. God knows. But, but it, it seems to be, be cool. You know, it seems to work. It's, it works because, I mean, I don't know. But I'm wondering, you get your script. You've got two, three pages, maybe a hair more if it's a movie. And you just kind of apply yourself, your, you apply your experience to the role. Do you have a method or do you just go with how it feels? I just go with how it feels because I come from improvisation. But let me clear up something about okay. that particular point. Okay. I've, I've acted with a lot of bankable stars. Uh, and I've, I've never 
taken an acting lesson in my life. I never wanted to be an actor and I don't consider myself an actor. I can act, you know, that's, that's like saying I can ride a bike. That doesn't mean I'm going to be in a bicycle race. I can ride a bike. I can act, but there's certain things I can't do. So all the bankable stars who, are, you know, they did go to school and they've been doing it for years and it's their profession and stuff. None of them, or let me put it this way. All of them have their own way of acting. There is no school of acting in the career of acting. It's all bullshit. Each actor that I've ever worked with, and I've been in this business for 40 years, there's, there's no school. They each have their own quirks and ways of, yeah, they go to school so they can practice memorizing and working with other people with a little privacy and then and without this the chaos going on of a of an actual movie set. We have crews around and lights and stuff. So that's what schools are good for. It gives you practice to just say your words and, and, and learn your, your craft. But that craft goes out the window when you walk onto a set. You, there's too many things going on and too many different actors with different methods. So there is no acting. It's what your tricks are and how that matches okay. up with the person you're acting with in the real world, not in acting school. There's no acting school methods in a real movie. <laughs> just, you know, you, if you do it for a couple of years, you just start to learn certain things about, about yourself, not about the craft, about how, what makes me tick, what relaxes me. The, the whole, I, there, there is one thing that goes through all of it, and that is relaxation. Nothing happens if you're tense or nervous. Well, I mean, something happens, but it happens better if you're relaxed. That's all. But that, that's the only unifying thing. Thank you uh, for that. Because yeah. okay. I, I, I don't know if you, I, you probably couldn't have done this intentionally, but there's something that I've been working with for a while. A lot of my audience comes from a background of not being in acting. I'd say the vast majority of them do, but they have a real interest in this, whether they're independent filmmakers, whether they're, you know, community actors, but the, th the common denominator is they have day jobs. They can't afford to invest their whole life into creativity, but they really want to be creative. Don't we all? Do we all? I mean, I, I know some people who don't really see that that being a priority in their life, but a lot of people do. Well, I mean, if you're talking about the arts, creative, mm -hmm. then yeah, no, we're all, we're all born with, with the same stuff, man. I mean, you know, we, everybody has DNA and that's all programmed. You have nothing to do with that. Well, part of it is curiosity, creativity, intelligence, uh, all, all the other crap that goes into making you, you, and then you pick up stuff, but most of it is kicked out of you uh, in the first, well, I don't know, 10 days of your life, you know, <laughs> you come into the world and they slap you. I mean, what's that all about? <laughs> so um, I think all people are creative. It's just that they don't follow it or they don't know it. Uh, my parents try to knock it out of me. I mean, just beat it out of me. 
uh, it just didn't, their method didn't work, mine did, tenacity. Uh, but so creativity is, that's part of that's like your skin, man. I mean, if you're a human being, you, you have creativity. If you don't want to use it, that's fine, man. If you don't even want to look for it, that's fine. But to have other people impose, you know, don't be creative. Uh, that That's my upbringing. I don't know about anybody else's. Don't be creative. It was never verbalized, but that was the message. You know, be a doctor or a lawyer. Get a career so you can take care of us when we're old. That was the messages I, I got. And they just rebelled against it. I mean, what, what else is a 10-year-old going to do with that kind of bullshit so you know you just and if you want to be an actor or you want to be creative you want to be a painter whatever you want to do just just go do it you know you're you're right and everybody else is wrong mainly your parents even if you have got great parents you know who are all for you and they show up for all the ball games and they show up for your plays even so at some point you got to say yeah but i got to do it my way i you know so creativity is just something that you got to, it ain't easy. Let me tell you that. Creativity ain't easy. You think you got a hard job. Try being creative. You know, what are you doing that for? You know, how would you like to be a, like an oil burner installer or electrician or a carpenter? And somebody comes up to you and says, what are you doing that for? What, 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 what is that? You know, whoa. So I see that. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up that people who aren't creative will, you know, discourage you. They are I'm, creative. They're just not using it or they don't know they have it. But you're creative. Just get yeah. that through your head. People discourage you. And then people who live that life would say, well, but you didn't go to the right school. You didn't follow the right program. It, it's like I you never went get to school for anything I ever did after I got out of school. And yet, I mean, like I just said, people would recognize you. They love what you do. You, you're always the highlight of, I would say, any scene you've been in. Say that again? I said you're the highlight of any scene you've been in. Well, uh, oh, I'm glad. I mean, I'm not trying to do that. I mean, when I, when I, every time I act with a bankable star, <laughs> it's like a weird uh, appellation. <laughs> oh, well, I'm a, I'm a bankable star. Uh, every time I do that, uh, I learn something. I try. I, that's what I try to do. I, if I'm like I, I was acting with Clint Eastwood, you know, I said, okay, what has he got to teach me? This guy knows something that I don't know, and I want to get it. I want to. So I, I listen for it. I, I search it out. I mean, I don't. I don't I either I ask questions, very simple questions, or I just observe but i'm there to learn that's what this guy knows he has he has information that i need so one of the things i learned about clint eastwood to your particular question is i noticed that he doesn't try to be the best in the scene he doesn't try to be better than you none of them do none of the great actors try to be better than you if anything, they want you to be better than them. That's what makes them great. They, 
when I was acting with Clint Eastwood, man, all he did was give me stuff. He would just throw the scene to me. And what he did was, now this is his trick. Other actors do it other ways. But what he did with, by doing that is he would give you the energy. He would give you the scene and you would take it and you would run with it. And all he did was just rise with your energy. So he's, they're like corks, man. They float on your energy. That's how relaxed they are when they go into, even if it's a tense scene of a fight or, you know, tank, a tank movie, <laughs> war movie. No, they just ride on the energy given. That, that's, what, that's what I learned from Clint Eastwood specifically. Other actors, I learned other specific things. But it was amazing. He would go, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I act my little ass off. And he would just take that and just go right above it. He'd just float. He wouldn't try. He would just be there for your energy. He would receive. Uh, it's uh, Robbie Robertson. She receives. They receive, man. They, they use you. <laughs> you got to use the other other people in a good way, you know. Uh, other act, uh, other, uh, well, I learned is about acting um, uh, by the yard. Yeah, you ever hear that? Nobody ever. No, I have not heard that. Act by the yard. What does that mean, Larry? Okay, well, I learned that by observing uh, Peter Ustinov uh, in uh, uh, what, what was the, the movie? Uh, it was a Jerry Paris movie, uh, Viva Max. I would watch him and they would do a, uh, so he, he was be with, with a horse. He was a, a, a general who rode a white horse. So all the scenes were with a white horse. Try acting with an animal, you know? So what he had, okay, so he's, he's, you can't act against a, a horse. You gotta, you gotta let, the, let the horse do the scene. You just, mm -hmm. yeah. Horse going to horse. Yeah. So what he would do is they would take a master shot, you know, which is the long shot just to get the whole scene in. And then you go, you punch in and get the real scene. And you may never use the master shot. A lot of actors, a lot of directors don't. But in the mass, so I would watch him. So in the master scene, he would act. You know, I mean, he would be the general, but he would be the general large. And then they would move in for his close-up and all of a sudden his acting would shrink. He would be very quiet and he would be very still and he would be very intense. And there was a horse somewhere off here, blah, 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 blah. And then when they did like a two shot, he would just be a little bigger than the close-up. I mean, in his energy uh, and, and how he would, whatever his lines were, a little, a little louder, you know, in, in, incremental, very subtle, but he was acting by the yard. He was acting to how far the camera was away from him. In the long shot, he was a little larger. Now, this man has been in many movies, so he had the judgment. It's like Curry, man. When he throws that ball for a shot, he's not thinking, how far am I away from the basket? It's just automatic. You know, he may be 50 feet away from the basket, which will give him a, a three-pointer, or he may be 51 feet away. And that one foot is a miss or a hit, but he hits both. What, what's going on? 
he's adjusting. His autonomic nervous system is making the adjustment. Okay, it's not that, it's that. You know, you're the put, but he's not conscious of it. He's got it down, it's all automatic. And that's what Peter Ustinov was doing. He was acting how far he is away from the basket, the camera. And he, he would get a little this or a little that. And I thought, wow, man, I thought, you know, you just act. No, there's other things involved here. And a lot of actors go to camera school to learn that stuff. But again, when you go on the set, you just drop all that stuff, man. And you just use your instinct and your habit and your, your sense, your senses and stuff like that. So, you know, you just learn. I, I go there to learn. I, and maybe that's what makes me, people want to watch me. This guy's not trying. He's, he's just, he's learning, you know. Mm -hmm. so somebody said to me a great thing. Uh, no, he didn't say it to me. I just heard it. But it was, I said, yeah, I got to remember that one. He said, um, it was a rocker, you know, a musician, rock and roll guy in a rock band. He said, um, I like to learn. I don't like to be taught. That's boom, man. There's your wow, okay. go, man. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I while you were talking about this, some uh, advice came to me that I've heard, and I can't remember who said it to me, but it's something I have grabbed on with both hands for the past couple of years. Is if you're the smartest person in the room, you're, you're in fucked. the wrong room. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it too. Be the stupidest guy in the room. That's another somebody said that I heard. Yeah. Be the stupidest guy in the room. That's the, you can't go wrong, man. I mean, we, we, start, we start off this conversation and I'm just saying how much I've enjoyed what you've done and how other people do. And then the next thing is we're getting into what you've learned and who you've learned it from. And that's what I think is always the next step is, is how do we get to this point? How, how does somebody who, might want to have a part of that, what do they take away from it? Um, well, sometimes I just go into a job and I don't take away anything. I mean, you can't, you know, uh, winners know how to lose. <laughs> and losers don't know how to lose. <laughs> I mean, we used some uh, good sports metaphors earlier on, or, or at least you did there. And one thing you'll notice is that in a lot of cases, some of the greater athletes, you look at their, their scoring stats and they're very high, obviously, but their assist stats are even higher. For all the times that they've gotten the goal, they've helped somebody else do it too. LeBron. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, again, you can watch LeBron and and learn stuff. You can watch Curry and learn stuff, but neither Curry nor LeBron learned how to be Le LeBron or Curry in any kind of basketball school or, or learn from a coach. That was, they put it all together and then they made their own school. You know, LeBron goes mm -hmm. to LeBron's school. Curry goes to Curry's school. If you watch them work out beforehand, they'd work out totally different, man. It, you, you watch Curry work out. That's where you learn. You can really learn. Oh, wow. Look at what, see how he, what he's focusing on in the, in the setup be, before the game starts, how he, uh, he has an assistant. Curry uses an assistant 
to throw him the ball from different points in the in the courtroom in the courtroom in the court. Uh, LeBron does it on his own, you know, among other people. Le, Le, uh, Curry just it does it alone, kind of. He 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 has his man and his man and, and his basketball, and and they work within the framework of everybody else, you know, hoisting them up. You know, you just and and that's the other thing. Learn how you learn. You learn different than everybody else. Don't don't take that bullshit about you know homogenized learning, whether it's math or acting or painting or scuba diving. You know, learn how you learn, how you absorb information and then codify it and, and then process it. You know, I, I that's what I had to do. I had to learn how to learn because that was knocked out of me by my parents. Don't learn anything. What a fucking message to wow. Yeah, that's that's huge. What? Well, because they can control you. Mm -hmm. It's like religion. You know, this is it. Forget everything else. This is it. Well, hey, now you're you're under their spell. You know, you're being a good son. I mean, that was the spell I was under. The mm -hmm. good son spell. You know, just don't don't look okay. blinders. Blinders work, by the way. Oh yeah. Try that on a racehorse. You know, works fine. Works fine. Uh, see that that's the thing. The bad stuff does work. That's why it's around. <laughs> it's. it's uh, I mean, for one thing, I am quote unquote bad at math. I, I've never been great. I, I've always struggled with it because going through school, especially up to about junior high, the message was always, we're going to teach you. You're going to learn. Don't read ahead in the book. And I heard that every year. Whoa. Don't read ahead in the book. Is that, you know why? Hmm? Do you know why they say that? I'm listening. Because the teacher reads one chapter ahead. So if you get ahead of the teacher, that's <laughs> that's on the teacher. <laughs> that's the whole thing about but my my father. I mean, that's right out of you know my, my growing up book. You know, don't learn more than me. Keep the kids stupid. He, he my father always called me stupid. Hey, stupid, come here. Hmm. Whoa. You know, well, I finally figured out what that was all about. He was afraid I would get smarter than him and then he'd lose all the power. You know, the power of being a father. Uh, I never had a dad. I had a father. You know, there's a difference. <laughs> there is a big difference. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you got to, you know, in this day and age. Okay, you go back to the caveman days, you know, Neanderthals, Piltdown Man. Nature was the enemy back then. I mean, you go walking around, you get bitten on the ankle by a snake and you're dead. There's no, you know, uh, whatever. And then there's the animals and the poisonous plants. and So they had to teach you, you know, what to stay away from. Well, there's stuff like that nowadays, you know, the modern, modern age. It's not plants. It's not snakes. It's it's other things. And a lot of parents try to protect you, but they're still working on that snakes and poisonous plants bullshit. So they're telling you the wrong thing or maybe half truths. Or I mean, they're doing it. Here's the worst thing. They're doing it because they love you. Mm -hmm. And you can't argue with that. I mean, they're coming from the right place. They really are trying to teach you the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's just... 
they're teaching you the wrong thing because they learned it wrong from, and it just passed on father to son. By the way, that's, that's what religion is all about. There's the old Bible and there's the new Bible. Mm-hmm. And the old Bible is the vengeful God. And the new Bible is the loving God. No, it's father against son. That's all. It's the old ways against the new ways. It's Jesus against dad, against father. It's father God, son Jesus. It's father and son. That's all it is. So you got to learn, man. You got to learn. It's okay. Dad, you learned it your way. And back then, that was the right way. Because there were snakes back then. You know? And women couldn't fight a mastodon. But now there are no snakes and women can kill mastodons. So, you know, get with it. Absolutely. I, I, it, it's interesting because like I said, I'm thinking of a lot of things that, you know, advice you would have gotten as kids that might have made sense when they were kids. Yeah, I, you know, there's nothing wrong. It's just to learn how you learn mm-hmm. and learn that it's, it's old against new and some of the old stuff is good you carry it through you know i got good at math when i let go of all the advice i've gotten and just started learning how it took me to learn i opened there the book. you go i read ahead <laughs> <laughs> how dare you i'm not saying i ever got good at it but i managed to pass calculus so there you i go. got good there. enough to make it and there sometimes good enough is okay I, I find that, you know, I, uh, all through life, you know, I can't learn that. I can't do that until I found out that, well, it's because you don't like it. And that was because you, you were taught not to like it or because your father, my father, uh, slapped me around if I didn't learn it. Mm-hmm. So no, reading, reading was the one. If I didn't read fast enough, I'd get slapped, you know, when I was doing my homework, like 15, 14, then boom. No, you know, and then he would test me. So what he was trying to teach me was learn faster. What I learned was reading is painful. Mm-hmm. So I stopped reading. It was too painful. What the fuck? You know, so in other words, they think they're teaching you one thing out of love. Mm-hmm. And what they're teaching you is don't learn what he's trying to teach you. <laughs> it's just i don't understand homo sapiens man i really don't you know we're on the edge of extinction and we're talking about you know bullshit i don't know why sending two people 175 miles straight up mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and how does that kind of uh oh well you know um where did digital come from if we didn't have scientists thinking you know well that's like a nice uh a nice what argument it's a nice argument but it's you know you got 175 miles straight up you know as a friend of mine once said and after 175 miles you're not going up you're going out it's the same direction So once you get 179, 175 miles straight up with no wings, just pushing. Um, Who was the first guy who said, no, let's not use wings. 
goes straight up. And then I got, and then my next question is, okay, you got 179 miles straight up. And then what about the infinite amount of out there is yet to go? It's going to take you more than three months to get to Mars. I, but there's people, you know, what about Afghanistan? I just don't get the connection that people are, are making. Um, maybe it's me. I'm, and I'm perfectly willing to say that I'm wrong. I'm not afraid of being wrong. Another thing about Homo sapiens, the fear of being wrong and being corrected is just um, uh, not furthering. It's not furthering people. No. So, uh, yeah. I, I found I, I I try to encourage people to be okay with being wrong. Don't don't be afraid. Have of you it. ever it's, heard of anybody say I'm sorry that I'm wrong? You're right. How many times in your life have you ever heard that? Oh, you're right. I'm wrong. My goodness. Or uh, yeah, you know, there's a little. I have a little right, but there's a lot of wrong. But you know, mm -hmm. let me just re rejigger, rejigger it. Here's so, a good one. If you end up getting corrected, unequivocally, can't argue the point. Somebody just says, hey, that thing you said, this is the way it actually is. The next word's out of your mouth. Why not make them thank you? Because I was wrong. Well, yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you have to find out if that's right. I mean, sure. you know, if I say something and you say something and it's different, maybe one of us is right and maybe the other one is wrong. Mm -hmm. So just because you're saying something opposite to me doesn't make you right. No. But I'm well. See, here's the thing. Here's where I'm coming from with all this thing about correcting everything. Now, where I'm coming from is I just want to be correct. And I want to do the right thing. And to do the right thing, I have to correct my journey. It's called a correction. That's all. It's not you're mm -hmm. wrong forever. No. You're not a wrong person. You just, you had to make corrections to your course. Pilots know about that. You know, there's, there's wind shear. You got to make a correction for that. You can't see it, but it's there. And so you make, there's just, and nobody wants to correct anything that they think. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, animals learn. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I live by the canals. There's a canal. I live in uh, near Venice. I'm not in Venice, but I live near Venice. So the Venice canals. Are. Now, in the Venice canals, there are ducks, uh, a, a lot of them. And they never really fly away. They're, and if they're gone, they come back, you know, within a couple of hours. I guess they go to feed and then they come back. They come back. So, um, but they gather on the shore and there's a path along the shore of the canal. And the ducks come up and they come on the land between the path and the water. They just sit there, I guess it's warm or whatever. They're feeding, I don't know. And I try to walk by them without disturbing them. Let me see if I can just walk quietly enough or, but I don't wanna leave the path. I want them to know that I'm walking, but I'm not a danger. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, right. <laughs> Quack. So I've never been able to do it. As soon as they, you know, sense there's a human being walking on the path, they they don't get excited. 
they just very slowly get up and get in the water, go into the center. And then when I'm very far away, they'll very slowly drift back and continue. Okay. Now I'm not threatening them. So I'm trying to correct their behavior is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make them used to me or, or to human beings. Cause I don't walk that, you know, you have to do that a thousand times, you know, every day, but you know, I just, once or twice a week, three times a week, I'll do that. You know, I've never been able, and other people walk by, and even when they're feeding them, they'll come if you feed them, they'll stay a little distance away, but if you're not feeding them. Okay, so my point of all this is, um, even animals know how to correct behavior and other things they take for a given. I don't care if you, Larry, are not gonna hurt me. I don't trust, human beings in general. That's mm -hmm. the duck thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You can walk as softly as you want, Larry. It's not, I'm not buying it. Well, is that hardwired into us? Like the difference between in, in politics? You know, I, I know there's both sides hardwired. I don't care you're a human being, therefore your side is wrong. You, you, what, are you a human being or not? I'm a human being. All right, then get the fuck out of here. You're wrong. I, I, I don't get the, there's no adjustment. There's no corrective movement. Uh, and, and that goes for acting, you know. I, I go in and I try to use what I have, correct what's not usable, learn something from this guy. You know, it, it, it works. It, it, it works. If you learn how to learn, that, that's the. I like ducks. I like ducks a lot. But what you got to do, Larry, is get yourself some crows. Because <laughs> it's been found that crows will recognize which humans are nice to them and which ones are not. And okay, they will teach other crows. And what is that called? That's I don't called know. a smart bird. That's what okay. that's called. That's called, wow, animals have intelligence. They can make decisions on their own. I mean, ducks are a little slower than crows. Crows are very fast. Uh, but also, uh, there's octopuses that can open a lock. Mm -hmm. You know, there's goldfish now. I, I saw that last night that can steer on land. You know, they've trained the goldfish to, to steer. They, they actually did this. This is so amazing. I mean, that's the amazing thing about Homo sapiens. They can do this. They can get a goldfish bowl, put a goldfish in the goldfish bowl, put the bowl, goldfish bowl on a cart that has wheels. And they can train the goldfish to swim in the, in the goldfish bowl in the direction it wants to go on land. And if it starts to go this way, say, say the, the, the glass is, is right here, right? So uh, they've got some sort of digital thing uh, all, all around it. So if it punctures, if the goldfish punctures this, you know, electronic thing, which it can't sense or see, but of course the card will push this way. So in, in other words, it, it, it swims this way and the, and if it swims this way, it'll go that way. And so the, the goldfish, now they put it on a path on the, on a, on a, on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And the goldfish will go down the sidewalk to a, a thing that they want. If the goldfish can get to this color, which it can see through the glass, if the goldfish can get close enough to that color, it will get fed. So that's what it's going for. It's steering towards the food. 
but it's scary. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, what a smart goldfish. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying, ooh, what a smart um, animal a human being is. It trained a goldfish to go to the food on land by, by, by driving its goldfish bowl. I mean, what, what other animal would come up with that? Let's see if we can train a goldfish to steer on land. It was about a month or so, we actually managed to train a rat to play Doom. There you go. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So we, we're not a total waste of God's time. That's but, really cool. We can train rats and goldfish. We're training rats and goldfish. Learning how to get along with one another, not so much. We can communicate so with much. the goldfish and not with each other. No, I mean, as a species, we don't work. No. I mean, we're, we're, we're not um, a, uh, um, a survivable species. We aren't. I, I, that's, that's a, I'm not making a joke. Okay. That's what I believe. Uh, I mean, it may take a while before extinction happens. But look, goldfish and other fish learn to survive in the sea. We have learned to survive on land, which is short for Earth, which is short for planet. Homo sapiens have learned to survive on a planet. We haven't learned, nor have we evolved to survive in space. If it takes three months to get to Mars, easy three months, maybe six, it takes three months. We're going to be in space for a long time before we get to another planet. And we found out that in space, no gravity, even if we have, you know, the treadmills and the circular things, so centrifugal force, and even if we got that, our body starts to change because uh, our body is trying to acclimate evolve to no gravity. So by the time we get to the next star or habitable planet, we won't be homo sapiens anymore. We'll be the next evolution or a thing evolving. Uh, one of, you know, they did the thing with the twins. Mm -hmm. They kept the twin here and they sent the other twin up into to space for a year. And then he came back and then they compared the twins and the twins who, the twin who was in space for a year, his body changed. They weren't twins anymore. Uh, his head got bigger. Uh, certain body uh, organs changed shape because it was making, you know, evolution. It was just trying to make an adjustment, trying to make a correction. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, Homo sapiens, the evolution of Homo sapiens is very interesting to me because I'm seeing where animals are actually smarter than we are. They just don't think about it. Thinking is what's getting in our way. Uh, some scientists said that, uh, is uh, our curiosity has far out distance our ability to do things so now we 
we've, we've invented an atomic bomb, which can annihilate us, the entire planet. What animal would do that? Invent something that can destroy itself. So far, we're the only ones who can do that. And we consider that intelligent. Well, that's what kind of, it's, it's that morbidity that bothers me a lot. Like I, when you talk about sending, you know, civilians into space on cell phone cap, I respect the accomplishment that is. And, and the people that worked hard on that, I think it's great. But what scares me, what makes me really upset inside is the thought that maybe somebody powerful out there is thinking the only way to really solve all these problems is to give the people that don't want to be here a way off the planet. Are we just going to get to the point where instead of learning to work together, we just decide these people, we're just going to send them off to elsewhere? Well, okay, but that begs the question. What do you mean by an elsewhere? Who knows? Well, then, Mars, Mars is the next stop. It's in that direction. Good luck to you. I don't want to get to that point. <laughs> no, it's not going to work. I mean, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Oh, okay, but try it. Mm -hmm. You know, see that? See there? That's a habit thing. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. See, I correct myself. That's not a good way to think. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Go try it. I mean, you know, fine. I mean, but but uh, here's the thing about med medical science. Through wars, through vicious, violent, bloody, ghastly wars, we've learned some really great furthering medical techniques, replacing legs, replacing arms, replacing organs, healing, burn, you know, curing burns. But why, why do we have to go to war to advance medical science? Well, why can't you just take the money in the war from the war that you're going to spend in the war and give it to medical science? Why do you have to go through <laughs> the, the war? In other words, and I understand that way back when wars were invented, which is before medical science was invented, war was the way you got things done. I mean, it seemed to work. It seemed to work. Could and we? then, you know, critical thinking came along and say, well, wars, does, wars work. I'm not saying they don't, but I think other ways would work better. That's all I'm saying. Wars work, but let's do it better. But no, we don't get to that. Well, wars work, so... You know, let's, uh, I mean, you know, there's other ways. I'm not saying what I'm saying is perfectly true all the time for everybody everywhere. I'm just saying, try, try doing it better instead of different mm -hmm. or, tr or try to do it different instead of better. I, you know, sometimes like, like I'm doing it for because I love you. I'm doing it. Well, try something else because love isn't working. I'm beginning to hate reading. And I know you're doing it because you love me. But I hate reading because you love me. So love doesn't work in the way you think all the time. Let's try something different or other. You know, you see, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Just learn. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, it would be great. You. 
I have no idea what a trend. It's all right. But it's like it would be great, and and I'm sure every parent struggles with this. I know I do. So I'm not trying to say I'm better, but you got to realize when you're loving maybe some of the wrong way that you the reason it's the wrong way is they're not you. They're their own person. They're going to learn a different way than you. Let them do that. Okay. So, so is that taught in school? That that's very intelligent uh, piece of information that I'll, I'll take with me. Thank you very much. Is that taught in school? Is there anything we've talked about taught in school, Mm -hmm. how to think, how to think for yourself, not, you know, in the group thing. I, you know, I, I don't know, like, like, you know what I think should be taught in school? Um, one is any kind of hygiene, either sexual hygiene, personal hygiene, and species. Mm-hmm. Species. Just, yeah, you know, there's a course in art and there's a course in species. Well, class, first of all, let's get one thing straight. We're all the same species. You from Taiwan, you from China, you from Russia. You from Africa, we're all one species. So if you know, forget this white, black, yellow, red, pink, blue, orange. I mean, that's a dog and that's a dog. That's a spotted dog. That's a black dog. The dogs go, I mean, I don't get the pecking order of homo sapiens. You got it all wrong. Let's get a new pecking order. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get a new way of, you know, uh, first of all, this patriarchal society, what is that all about? Why are women not paid as much as men? Why? Why? <laughs> they do the same work. They do it just as well, if not better. Why? Well, what if they did it worse? I mean, okay, you and me are going to act. It's a big movie. I'm going to pay me $200. I'm going to pay you $200. We're going to do a scene together. We do the scene. I'm pretty good. You're awful. Okay, so people who were wearing black t-shirts are awful, and people who are wearing white t-shirts get two hundred dollars each time they act. In other words, I don't. It doesn't. You know, women can do that. Can't do that. Can all women do that? Can all women? Can all men? Can can all kids? You know, it's just I don't like the pecking order. Let's get a new pecking order. Mm-hmm. So it, it's we're in a situation now, and we can talk all day long about the things that are wrong with the world today, because it's, the, the list is long. But we have an opportunity now to look at things and say we've done it a stupid way for a long time. Let's find a better way. Like you just said quite a few times, it's like there's there's better ways of doing things. Let's at least try something different. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with some sort of sense, I mean, mm-hmm. there are certain people on social media who are making suggestions that are different, but they're just out of line, or I mean, they're on the surface, I, I don't know what the expression is, I just, you can tell it's not going to work, you can try it, but I mean, or, or, or just calling somebody stupid, doesn't really work. No. But they keep on calling people stupid, thinking it's going to work if I say it 10 times. Well, that's stupid thinking. There's a lot. You know, in other words, every time I can't get off of this, this, this thinking of mine that Homo sapiens 
aren't aren't working out. It's not working out, folks. And, and I am I am not a I I'm a stand-up comedian. That, that's what I think I was born to do. I, that's what I've been doing until I became an actor because the money was good. But I was a stand-up comedian and quite successful. So opening for Woody Allen, Miles Davis, you know, I was, I was doing a Playboy clubs. I was a funny guy. And and then I started to focus on Homo sapiens, just as subjects to you know doing my act. They're very simple. And I started thinking, oh my God, as as far as Homo sapiens go as a species, this is all wrong. I, I, I used to say, okay, if you think of Earth as a bright, shiny apple, if you take an apple and you eat it, you know, and you got the core, and then you throw it on the lawn and you just leave it there, in about, you know, two or three weeks, you go back and you look at the core, the apple core, it's like a hard piece of black. It's just, you know, it's not an apple core anymore. It's just almost like a piece of antique, you know, but it's hard and it's black. Okay, but if you took that shiny apple and you left it on the lawn, it would become that after this white fuzzy stuff, you know, this fungus that grows on apples, if you leave it, you know, and, and it would start to rot, get soft and it would rot. And then this gray fuzzy stuff would go on it and it would stay on there until finally it ate, consumed all that until it was a hard black apple core. So I always thought that planet Earth was a nice shiny apple in the universe going around the sun. And we, Homo sapiens, because it was doing fine until we came along. It was just doing its own thing. And then Homo sapiens came along and now we're using it all up. We're poisoning the water, the air. The, we're using up the land, the arable land, the livable land. Uh, we're just not, you know, we're... we're our garbage dumps are filling up our, you know, okay. So what I'm saying is if we taught ourselves that we're a species, you would see that as a species, that fungus, when it finishes that apple, shiny apple in space and it's black, where is the white fungus? Where is that? There was a white fungus eating that apple until it turned into a black core. Now there's just a black core. There's no fungus and no apple. Mm -hmm. I kept on thinking, we're the fungus on the apple of earth. I didn't go far enough to say, wait a minute. Once we use up all the, all, all the, all the zinc, all the copper, all the food, all the air, and all the water, what's left? Well, anything that can live without those things. And there's animals and insects way under the earth that don't bother with that stuff. Uh, I, I said, turtles can eat rocks. Did you know that? I did not know that. Turtles can eat rocks. Now, there are only certain kinds of rocks that they can taste the mineral content that's in food. Iron, magnesium, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's in rocks too. And there's certain soft rocks that turtles beaks can crack you know like you crack a walnut they can crack a rock though these soft and they swallow the rock excrete the the hard stuff of the rock that they can't assimilate and then they use the iron and the calcium and the whatever else is in the rust so they and when when push comes to show they can eat rock so they've they've figured out how to survive 
And homo sapiens aren't working on eating rocks yet. And I think it's time. You know, I mean, we're not doing anything about the water. I mean, there's some scientists that are. And if, and if, they, can, if they can clean the air and the water and, and get us off, you know, meat, meats and stuff, you know, because cattle are just using up all the land. Um, you know, I mean, like, again, I'm making vast generalities here to make a point about, hey, wake up, we're a species, you know, whether you're an actor or a painter or, or a carpenter, it really doesn't matter, we're, you know, or black or white or pink or blue. We're not, if you study species, I'm an anthropologist, I study anthropology, I study species, me, I do that. And I see that there's certain things that causes extinction, unable to acclimate to the climate as it changes. You know, nature or nurture, the main one, the main one by one point, 51 to 49, is nature. When the planet changes, animals start to change. They change their roots. They change where the fish go, you know, fish go where the warmer water is or where the colder water is. So the water is now changing and fish are changing where the fishermen have to go. So now they got to find fish all over again. And they're finding out that we're eating too much fish. So now we're depleting the fish no matter where they go. Well, then animals start to have less children. You know, um, less, less offsprings, I'm sorry. <laughs> the anthropology <laughs> angle is it's fascinating by itself. Um, is there a certain book or series of books that you found that are particularly compelling on that front? Naked Ape. Okay. I'm going to put that in the show Naked notes. Ape, man. Yep. And you don't have to read the whole book. It is the history of, uh, I think it's uh, bio uh, Biologies with Spines or something like that. You know, it, it goes way back before Cro-Magnon, man. It starts with, and it just goes all the way through the history of the naked ape to, you know, about 1960, I think, is when it was published. So it goes yeah. through, you know, coming on to land. Okay, so you only have to read the first, probably the first quarter. And then it gets into like, uh, once you get into the, um, when they started to build houses, shelters, not just living in caves or, or, or natural, protection but when they started to you know like like the invention of the igloo is one of the major that's like the wheel you know we're gonna go up north and live there's no lumber there's only snow and we're gonna live there where are you gonna live oh we're gonna make an igloo we're gonna make a home out of snow you know the snowballs you make we're going to make a home out of that, a home out of snow that you can build fires in and be warm and you can sleep in it. And no matter how hard the wind blows, even if the wind blows 125 miles, 150 miles an hour, the wind is not going to blow it away. Because why? No corners. It's round. And it's not a half. See? A half, that's no good. It's got to be 
almost a sphere. So that, that, and that is the difference between your igloo being blown away and not being blown away. I mean, some homo sapiens figured that out. Maybe instinctively, you know, they did it, they built it square, it didn't work. They built it half a, half a sphere, it didn't work. You know, maybe it took eons. Maybe it took thousands of years, but we did it. It made a home that you can build a fire in and not get blown away by a hurricane and it's called an igloo. Wow. So that's a species plus. We can do that. But we've stopped doing that. We, we've stopped. We've lost the ability to survive. We now are all middle class. We've made the species middle class. And middle class builds square houses that get blown down and are rebuilt in the same spot. Have you ever read a book called Guns, Germs, and Steel? No, but I've heard of it. And okay. I'm going to read it all the time. Okay. So well, I'm, I'm trying to get to it. I'll, I'll throw my two cents in there because it kind of picks up right where your book is leaving off. And then we should probably wrap up a bit. But it's it would basically pick up there and it, it kind of gets into how the humans, although they're spread out all across the planet, some groups tended to do better than others. And historically, that it's been very difficult to figure out exactly how that happened, but to, through a, a look at resource distribution becomes the key. And I think you would really dig that. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. I mean, just, just carbon, oil, methane, you know, uh, in other words, basically uh, that's, you picked the right book there uh, because I said, you can only, you only have to read a, a quarter of the book mm -hmm to get where I'm coming from. Uh, and after when they start building houses, then, then civilization starts and societies start. And then the ability to survive becomes less and less important because we have backups called governments and uh, wh whatever else you want to call a government. I don't know. Societies, blah, blah, blah. So that's where your book comes in. The, the invention of the addition of butter and steel and oil and methane and gas and blah, blah, blah. Things that are now poisonous. See, an igloo is perfectly uh, degradable. When you leave, the igloo will finally just wear away and go back to snow. Um, an oil well, not so much. Um, methane, not so much. Carbon dioxide, not so much. It just stays. Uh, and the uh, plastic never goes away. We're the first animal whose waste product will not disintegrate. Every other animal, no matter what it builds, if it leaves it, it'll go away. But civilizations, not so much. And that's what causes civilizations to die. The, the, the earth changes, the weather changes, the river changes, the, the, the weather, the land changes. There's an earthquake, a volcano comes, end of civilization, let's move it over there. So we haven't learned to survive everything. 
but there's uh, some animals who can survive a volcano. I mean, they just, you know, dig down. That's how we got here. All the small, you know, when the, when the meteor hit, all the, all the mammals were so tiny because these dinosaurs would eat anything that was on the surface that was edible, like mammals. So the and mammals started to, well, the food supply was less and the danger was bigger. So mammals got smaller and started living in tunnels underground. And then the meteor hit. What a smart move. What a species move. Live underground. Now we can go up, plenty of food. We can grow. We can, we can evolve. Well, you know, that was hit or miss. What is it? Luck? Was it DNA? Was it critical thinking? <laughs> what was that? But we couldn't, the, the larger mammals couldn't survive the change. It didn't have the equipment, couldn't change fast enough. Dinosaurs, forget it. A couple of eons later, we got human beings and we've lost the ability to survive this next one. If you, if you watch the news, what they say is, no matter if it's COVID or, or the global warming, the message is, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Now, to a goose, it means we got to fly over the Alps to a better place for six months. That, that's the signal that geese get. Okay, everybody, you know, now we can't, whoa, and the wind up there over the Alps is, whoa, and they'll just keep going until, because we can't go back because, you know, it's either a volcano or it's winter or it's, there's no food. So they just, you know, try until finally the wind dies down and then boom and boom. We as species can't do that anymore. Our over the Alps is Mars. <laughs> we're not thinking, man. We're not, we're not using the old noodle. <laughs> As my uncle used to say, you got to use the old noodle, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> We always go like this. You gotta use your noodle. And he was saying it because you loved you. <laughs> and he was saying it because, but but you know that was a good one. You know, he, a lot of things he said weren't that good. He he was a a martinet. He was very very strict, very strict grandfather. But he was cool. You know, he was cool. Well, Larry, I want to thank you so much for doing this. I've, it's been a true pleasure talking to you about all this stuff, and I would love to do it again anytime. Sure. I mean, I'm coming up with a book. Well, let me do a commercial. TheRealLarryHankin.com. TheRealLarryHankin.com. One word. TheRealLarryHankin.com. Um, these are my paintings. I, I do paintings. So I have 40 of those up. You can buy them. But they all are on, come on T-shirts. So you can also see the T-shirts the and then my little videos that I make. Mine. Not not ones that you see, but mm -hmm. my own little film shorts and stuff like that. So that's one. And the second thing is I have two books out. One is coming out. One is the Loopholes Dossier, which is a book of, of uh, satiric fables. You'll like it. Believe me, you'll like it. And, uh, and stories. It's, very, it's a satire. It's all funny. And the one I'm coming up with is a biology of, of my life in show business. A bi biology, biography of uh, my life in show business. So it's just show business stories. Things I, I learned and saw and what happened to me on the sets of all the movies you've seen or haven't seen that I've been in. Fantastic. 
your website, those paintings, your YouTube channel, your books, all of that's going to be in the show notes on my website, aaronbossig.com. Are there any social media links you'd like to drop while we're at it? Well, not, not really. I haven't gone on. I, I don't do social media. It, it's just too. Uh, I can't make head or tail of it. It's, it's not it's not. It doesn't give me anything that I can use in my life. And that's important to know. But everything else is going to be on AaronBosnick.com. Larry, again, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I would like to thank Larry for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. This was a great example of what I really think Hungry Trilobite is about. We started off talking about creativity and entertainment and sometimes very silly things and very quickly spiraled into what makes up our world and how we got to be where we are. I think there's a huge connection between art and entertainment, history, and even some things like science and engineering. If you have any other ideas about connections like these or want to recommend a subject or a guest, please reach out to me at bossigpodcast.yahoo.com or connect with me on Twitter at Aaron Bossig. Don't forget, you could subscribe to this show and get more updates on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.